You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Paul Kern. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, and we are going to dive right in. We're going to be starting with verse 9. If you missed uh, Pastor Tim last week, man, it was really good. So you definitely want to go back and listen to the podcast, uh, or we also have it on video too. If you just go to cmcpodcast.com, you can pull up either the audio or the video, either one. Uh, But it was really, really good. So I definitely encourage you to watch that if you didn't get to see it. Um, In this session, we're going to be covering, like I said, the rest of chapter 12, verse 9 through 21. This session is going to be dealing with our service to others and how we interact with other people. Now, remember, we've changed from vertical. We've, we've, we've gone from man to God, and now we're man to man, you know, brothers to brothers, sisters to sisters. He's talking more about the family of God here. So let's start here in verse 9. <clears throat> Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good, excuse me, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord, honoring each other. um, Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them, always eager to practice hospitality. All right, we're going to stop right there. And we're just going to kind of cover a few verses at a time. Verse, verse 9 says, love without hypocrisy, or don't just pretend to love people. Well, how is love without hypocrisy? How do we prove this? How do we prove that we have love without hypocrisy? Well, the only proof of love is demonstration, right? You know, I, I often tell married couples when they get married, the easiest thing that you can do is stand on this stage and say words. The hardest thing that you will do is to follow through with those, <laughs> with those words, right? You know, all the married couples in the room like, yes, that is very true. So we, we don't just pretend, we, we really love people with our actions. We show people not just in word, but we show people indeed. And we're going to get into this. We're going to give some examples of what this looks like and some illustrations here. It says, hate what is wrong, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Now, there's no way a Christian can say, I love, but I don't care. That doesn't go together. Okay, you can't say, I love someone, but I don't care. And it's important that we see this. The kind of love talked about here in verses 9 through 13 can only come from God. It comes from God. It comes from Christ in us, but it flows out of us. It's not flowing from God. Remember, we're horizontal now. We're talking about our interaction with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. So we have to realize that, you know, our selfish carnal nature can't do this. It's just impossible. You know, we come to church and we meet all these people from all these different walks of life, all different ages, all different sections of me. We have Southerners and we have Northerners. I mean, it's a miracle that any of us get along. I mean, we don't even think the same. We don't act the same. 
we don't come across the same way. And then we've got some, some of those weirdos from California that are here in our church, and we got to deal with all those people, you know? And so that was meant to be a joke. All of you that are watching on live stream, that was a joke. I'm just making sure we understand that. I don't want to be on the front page of the newspaper tomorrow. So, you know, we have to realize that our selfish carnal nature, it's not capable of doing this. This is God's love. In the flesh, we love the lovable. It's easy to love the lovely. You know what I mean? People who uh, laugh at our jokes, people who have similar interests, people whose personalities we really, you know, gel with really well and we enjoy being around, that's easy for us. We're like-minded that, you know, we... But how do we love people who are different from us? I mean, very different from us. Well, to do this, uh, you know, I believe three things have to happen. Number one, there has to be consecration in your life. Consecration. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean that you have set your life apart unto God. In other words, God, I'm available. I'm willing. I'm here. I'm submitted to you. I'm going to do what you want me to do. It's not about what I want to do. It's not even necessarily about how I feel about this person. It's just about what I know that I am consecrated to do in service to you. And I think that's very important because I think sometimes people think that, well, I don't feel like loving them, therefore I don't love them. Well, guys, I got news for you. There's probably lots of times my wife doesn't feel like loving me, but she does. She... she puts up with me, right? Love suffers long, amen? Sometimes, you know, we have to remind ourselves of that. So we're available to God. We're a willing vessel to be used by God, number one. Number two, the second thing that has to happen to, to love people is transformation. I mean, there, there has to be a heart change that has taken place inside of all of us because we've encountered Jesus and now Jesus lives inside of us, and Jesus, he enables us through that transformation to love people. He, enab- he enables us to love people that aren't lovable. I mean, I've, I've literally loved people who were very hard to love. And within my own flesh, I don't want to have anything to do with them. But because of Christ in me, I am compelled, amen, to love them because, not because I'm an awesome guy and, and I take the glory from God. No, it's because Jesus lives inside of me now. It's, and it's, it's the transformed heart that Jesus has changed in me that causes me to be that way toward other people. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? See, it's that transfer. It's powerful. It's powerful. And then the third thing that has to happen is, I think, our evaluation of ourselves has to be proper. We have to take a really honest look at ourselves. In other words, I'm not too high and mighty to love this person. And at the same time, I'm not too low and worthless to love this person. I think we can go in either ditch. I think some people may have to deal with their pride and they make a wrong assessment of themselves and they think they're better than other people and they may look down their nose because they don't come from the same side of the tracks or they don't dress the way they dress or they don't have the same economic status that they may have or the same hairstyle or whatever. And then on the other side, you know, you've got people who they don't take a good proper evaluation of themselves and know who they are in Christ and know their value in Christ. 
And so we may lean to one or the other ditch. So I think it's very important that we have a proper evaluation of who we are. We recognize who we are in Christ and who we are called to be in Christ. Amen? Now, if we go back to verse 3, and you're going to have to go way up, but he talks about, Tim covered this really, really really well, talking about the gifts of the Spirit and, and how we serve one another through these different things. So it's very important that we all understand that God has allotted to each of us a place in the body. God has allotted to each of us a position within his church. And it's very important that we see this. And then, because God has allotted a spot, you have to be confident with that, right? You know, tonight we had people up here leading us in worship. See, that's their allotted position within the church. We've got young men up here. We've got young women up here. You know, we, we had Jason up here singing and his guitar quit working and he set it down and he just began to lead us in worship. See, you, you, you got to know what you're called to do within the body. You're confident in your place. And then this allows you the freedom to love and to give and to serve and to be a blessing. Otherwise, you're, you're, you're trying to wrestle out your own feelings of self-worth. You're, you're just trying to find yourself. And, and listen, people who are trying to find themselves, they can't help anybody because they're self-focused. Well, I'm just trying to find myself. I'm trying to find my identity. I'm trying to find who I am. Well, you're very self-focused. It's very hard for you to serve and give. I don't have time to find myself. <laughs> I'm, too willing, I'm too busy serving other people. But Jesus said, Jesus said, if you lose your life, you will what? Save it. If you give it away, you'll discover it. I think a lot of people think that their life is layers and they're going to peel back the layers and they're, they're going to, they're going to discover the, the prize on the inside. And, and in your flesh, within yourself, you're like an onion. You just peel back the layers and layers and layers, and when you get to the middle, there's nothing there. You just, your eyes water and you want to cry. That's all, that's all that's left. I don't like onions, just so y'all know. Not at all. It's a fruit that doesn't even make sense. It's confusing from the very beginning, so I just don't have anything to do with them. And that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. That's free. I'm just giving that to you tonight, just so you'll know if, if you ever bring food to us. No onions. <clears throat> so we can't help anybody we can't sow because we're so inward focused. And God's not called us to be inward focused. God's called us to be others focused. No one is all important. No one is insignificant. Everybody has a place within the body of Christ. Let's break this down. We're, we'll start with verse 9 and 10. We're talking here about brotherly love. This is probably one of the best expressions in the New Testament. Uh, uses to express the nature of our relationship with each other within the church. We, we are to be concerned about each other uh, like a close-knit family. I mean, that, that's really what it's talking about here. We're to be concerned with, another, with one another like we are a close-knit family. In fact, church family many times is stronger than even relationships within our natural family. I mean, I have people here that, you know, I'm very close to. I'm very close to. And I have people that I 
you know, people that come into the church even within the last couple of years that I'm getting closer and closer with. And I just, I love that. I love meeting new people. I love having new brothers and sisters in Christ and new mentors and friends and people that I can influence and people that can influence me. I think it's a, it's a great thing. You know, I've always said, I don't see how people make it outside of church. I mean, I, I, I know you can, I know it's possible, but you just miss out on so much. You just miss out on so much. I can't tell you how, in words, how blessed Angela and I have been being at Christian Ministries Church for over 30 years at our church, just because we're part of this church. Our, our wedding happened here at this church. We had people that helped us get married and throw our, our wedding here at this, at this church. And you know, I, I don't really have very many worries being here because I know if I run into any problems, I've got people who are going to be willing to help me at any time. I've got neighbors who live right here and I've got friends that love us. And, you know, if my, if my house caught on fire, I can make one phone call. I could have a hundred people at my house within an hour. I mean, that's the body of Christ. That, that's the way life is supposed to be. You know, when we have a need, we call on people for help. We have accountability. We have people that will speak truth to us. Now, listen, you can't get that by coming to church late, sitting in the back, never connecting with anyone, and then leaving early. So you people come to church and they say, well, you know, that church just isn't friendly. No, you weren't friendly. See, the Bible says you, if you want friends, you have to what? Be one. And I've heard people tell me, well, Christian Ministries just wasn't friendly. Nobody said anything to me. It's because you didn't say anything to anybody. You sat back there with a frown on your face, with your head down, and you look kind of scary. <laughs> and then you left real quick. I mean, I, I've met people, they, they come to our church, and man, they instantly start introducing themselves and meeting people. And before you know it, it's like, I feel like I've known them for 30 years. That's because they you know, they interjected themselves. You know, you give yourself to the family. You give yourself to the relationship. Now, I want us to see something here. Notice Paul, what he does right after he talks about spiritual gifts. What, what does he talk about? He talks about love in verse 9. He talks about love. If you go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and you skim through it, Paul's going to be talking about the gifts, okay? And Pastor Tim alluded to that in the last time that he spoke. If you skip over to chapter 12, Paul's going to be talking about love. And the thing that I want us to see is that our love for one another has to be the highest goal that we have in church, not spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are great. Spiritual gifts are important. Don't get me wrong. They're tools that God gave us uh, to minister to the body, and they're very, very important, but they have to be exercised in love. See, without love, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, all of that other stuff is nothing. It's worthless if it's not done in the spirit of love. Love without hypocrisy. The, the hypocrite in ancient Greek was a play actor. A play actor, that's what it was. A hypocrite in ancient Greek was a play actor. An actor plays a part that he really doesn't fulfill. He pretends to be something that he's not. So hypocrisy is manifesting something outwardly that we're really not willing to do inwardly. Or maybe we're not even feeling inwardly. So the first act of Christian love is to be genuine. To be genuine, to be real. 
We're to really love people from the heart. And that's not easy. (laughs) It's not. Well, some people, it's a lot easier than others. You know, it'd be nice if we were always easy to love. Sometimes we are easy to love. Sometimes we're difficult to love. That's just the way people are. Not, and not just other people, you. Yeah, say me. Not me, you. Yeah, you and me. The second half of this says, despise what is wrong or hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Christian love's not blind, okay? It, it, it deals in truth. And, and I want to talk about this just a little bit because I think we, we have a hard time dealing in reality when it comes to this with members of the church. We have to see the good and bad in those that we are loving, and we have to respond to both. We have to respond to both. Now, this can be hard for non-confrontational people. It can be hard for selfish people. It can be hard for fair-weather friend people. But we're not called to be selfish and fair-weathered friends. We're called to be giving, loving, self-sacrificing, genuine, truthful friends to one another. Be real, not, not fake, but be real, okay? Now, this is difficult and this is hard, and I'm not going to glaze it over and act like it isn't because it is. I mean, I've had to deal with some really hard things with people and, and did the best that I could, but it was difficult and it was hard. You know, when we see wrong in people that we love, we have to recognize it for what it really is. And we do this without pretending it's something good, without rejecting them. Now, this is the hard thing because we, we want to avoid confrontation and conflict, so we just reject the person. Well, that's not love. Rejecting an individual when there's conflict is not love. I remember re- reading a marriage book one time, and it says the beginning of an argument is not the signal of the end of love. But for a lot of people who get married, they get in a conflict, they get in an argument and act like, they don't love me anymore. No. You, the only way that you're ever going to arrive to a place of unity is sometimes there's going to have to be conflict and disagreement and resolution because that's in love. And that's how you become more one together. That's, that's, that, that's that weaving of those threads together, becoming more and more one. And the body of Christ looks a lot like this. So we do this without pretending it's something good. We don't, reject, we don't reject them, but we definitely reject the thing that they're doing that is wrong. See, when we see good in those that we love, again, we recognize for what it really is, and we praise it. We, we encourage that. We, we love them. We appreciate them. But we're also to despise or hate what is wrong. So we are to reject evil, and we are to praise good. Amen? That's why I don't like things on social media that represent evil things because the scripture calls me to be a person who operates in truth. And, you know, I I really want to encourage our young people tonight because I know there is a tremendous amount of peer pressure to like, to hit the like button, to hit the, the heart. And I get it. You want to support your friends. You want to be behind them. You want to let them know that you love them. But you, ha- you also have to understand that you are on social media and there are a lot of other people that are looking at what you are liking and what you are loving. And they can 
misunderstand what you're doing because they don't know the full context of what's going on. And so the Bible says, flee the appearance of evil. You don't want to do anything that would give off uh, indication that you are promoting sin or supporting someone who is living in sin. So I will never like that. Never will I ever do that. Not because I'm against them, but because I love people and I don't want to do anything that's going to cause my brothers and sisters in Christ to stumble. So love is not just about you. It's not just about you liking it. It's about you considering a whole lot of other people when you're doing that. Does that make sense? And I really don't have time to get into that because I could really break that down and spend a lot of time. Maybe that's something good for um, youth group and expand. I don't know. But I know there's a lot of peer pressure that goes along with that. But, and, and, you know, it's important that we do love people and support one another. But it's important that we make sure that we don't send mixed messages and confuse people. You know, it's not hard to love people when they're easy to love. We have a hard time loving people when they make mistakes or when they sin. And loving our fellow believers sometimes means that we have to call them out on the wrong that they're doing. It's not pleasant, but it's important. That's called speaking the truth in love. See, it's very important that we understand as a family, okay? Within my family, we don't, we don't just excuse wrong behavior. We call it out. You know, Josh, our youth pastor, he has four children. Now he's a father. Sarah is a mother. They're training their children. So they will call out wrong behavior and they will reward and praise right behavior. That's called being a healthy, nurturing, healthy family. Amen? And so that's very important that we understand even within the body of Christ, we have that responsibility with one another. Loving our fellow believers sometimes means that we have to call them out for the wrong that they're doing. It's called speaking the truth in love. Verse 10 talks about genuine affection. Now, once again, this is showing us that love has to be demonstrated in our actions and in our attitudes. You know, we've all had moments uh, where, you know, we got our feelings hurt, um, or somebody did something to us and it made it very hard for us to love them. But I think this is the difference between genuine love revealed in our actions as opposed to fake love or hypocrisy love, hypocritical love, just merely being composed of words. Hey man, I love you. I love you. You know, I hear young people say that all the time. It's a real popular thing nowadays. I love you. I love you until, until you make me mad or until you don't agree with me, or until you don't like what I posted, and then I don't love you. Well, that's not love. That, that's not, listen, I, I tell people all the time, we don't get to define what love is, God does. God is love. We look at the, what God says love is in 1 Corinthians 13, and we conform to that. We don't conform love to how we think love ought to look like. Well, I just love them. Okay, well, have you read 1 Corinthians chapter 13? Because then you'll know what genuine love really looks like. Amen? So the scripture says that we prefer one another. In other words, we count them before ourselves. And this all sounds good, but remember, we're selfish by nature. 
we would rather prefer ourselves before we'd rather prefer somebody else. But, you know, oftentimes we're the epitome of selfishness. We, we are a real picture or reflection of what selfishness looks like. Like, you know, maybe before you had a cup of coffee in the morning, I'm a real picture of what that looks like. I don't know if some of you are like me, but don't talk to me before I've had my coffee. Just let me have my coffee and I'll wake up and then I, you know, I don't know, there's like love nectar in that coffee for me and it, it helps me love. All right, the next two verses, verse 11, it's divided up in two phrases, never be lazy. It says never be lazy. Another word here is slothful, holding back. Now, we're talking about church relationships, okay? We're talking about church service, church commitment. Now, I might step on your toes, so you might want to curl them up because I'm, I'm about to kind of come after you a little bit here. <clears throat> Don't hold back. Don't drag your feet when it comes to being a part of the body of Christ. Don't be reluctant to serve. That's what being lazy in your service looks like. The Scripture says that we are to be willing and eager to serve in church. See, Christianity in church is not a spectator sport. The, the Western church today, that's what it's been turned into. That's what we've created is a spectator sport. You know, we, we put seating in and we have a stage and it's like going to a movie or going to a, a production. We just sit there and all right, impress me. And if you don't, then I may not come back and I'm certainly probably not going to give. So Paul is condemning those who are slow to serve in the church body. In other words, I, I, and I say this in love, guys, but I want you to know, and I'm being serious, and some of you might leave after I make this statement, but I, but I really do mean it. You're not here to warm a seat. You're not. And if you're here and you're just warming a seat, you need to go somewhere else. Wow, that was hard. It's truth in love. It's a truth in love. We either are going to do what the Bible says or we're not. We're either going to obey, obey it or we're going to give it lip service. See, the Bible says that we are to be zealous. It goes on that says, don't be lazy, but be zealous. Be ready for service. Romans 12, 1 says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a what? Living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Listen to this. This is your true and proper worship. Some translations say, this is your reasonable service of worship. This is what's expected of us. And we don't get paid for it. We don't even get a pat on the back and say, attaboy, good job. I appreciate you. No, it's just what, what we as believers are called to do. Well, the pastor, he didn't appreciate me today. It's not his job to appreciate you. It's not my job to appreciate you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. See, we're called to serve. We're called to give. We're called to minister to the needs of people and then God sees that and then ultimately one day we're gonna hear God say, well done, good and faithful servants. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that there's, a book, there's books of our good works and all the things that we do to help people are being recorded and we're gonna be rewarded according to all those good things that we did one day. So obviously we're not doing it for nothing. You know, when I got saved, I took that command seriously. 
Now, I was doing air conditioning and refrigeration before I came to know Christ and I came to know the Lord and I came here and I got involved and I began to learn about God through our Bible college and, and I served for a period of time, can, uh, continued to do air conditioning and refrigeration, but I just got so busy serving here that ultimately Tim said, man, I guess I just need to hire you because you're here all the time. And I'm not condemning anybody that is holding down a job and you're working and serving, but you don't get up every day just to make the almighty dollar. That's not what life is all about. Life is not just about you going on vacation and making money and raising your own family and to the exclusion of everybody else. That's, love is outward. Love's not just inward. Now, there's, a, there's an, a, an aspect of love that is that, but it's not just that. It says, serve enthusiastically, willingly, devoted, eagerly, actively. And I'm telling you, we have so many people in our church that do that. And, and it's so tempting for me. I'm, I just have to tell you, it's so tempting for me just to go down the list and just start naming names of all these awesome people that are in our church that serve and give and give and serve. And man, God bless you guys. I'm so grateful and thankful for everything that you do. And I sincerely mean that from the bottom of my heart. I'm so grateful that you serve because we have awesome people here and you're fervent in your service. That word fervent means burning, burning. I mean, you're on fire. This this is the same word that is applied to water boiling or metals heating up to the point that they glow. You ever heard somebody say, that's a fervent heat. See, it's a a red hot heat. It's It's a glowing heat. So whatever our service is, we should burn for it. I mean, I I, I work with people in our ministry. They burn for what they do. They love what they do. They burn for what they do. They're devoted to what they do. And whenever whenever we serve in church, that's the way our service ought to be. We ought to burn for it. It's what we can't wait to do. We can't wait to get to church. We can't wait to serve. We can't wait to give. We can't wait to be a part. Serving the Lord there, it says serving the Lord. The word for service is the usual one that's referred to in the scripture, a bondservant. It's very interesting, a bondservant. It's, it's submission. It's obedience. It's that to the Lord, serving the Lord. And that, that plays into serving one another. And that's what burning zeal is to be used for. See, every, everybody tries to fill their life with something that is going to fulfill them. And oftentimes it is in our selfish pursuits of finding things that fill us that we are just more and more empty. And guys, I want you to know, the way that you're going to be filled in life is through serving. If you want to be a very, listen, the healthiest church members I know the happiest, the most committed, the people who love their leadership and they're just doing great with the Lord are people who serve. People who come late, people who sit way back in the back on the back row, they're not involved, they don't give, they leave early. Nothing against you guys that are sitting in the back. That doesn't just mean that you automatically aren't involved. I don't, I don't mean to come across that way because it kind of sounds bad, but, but I speak to how you position yourself in your service to the church, in your involvement in church, in your activity. 
See, everybody tries to fill their life with something else. And in the end, they feel empty. They're always trying to fill it with some pleasure, some activity, some purchase, some hobby. But that just ultimately leaves you empty. Verse 11 speaks of our zeal for service, while verse 12 speaks of our consistency and our perseverance to devotion. In other words, a lot of Christians start out zealous and then they just burn out. They come, they serve, for, they give themselves for a month in something, and then they burn out, and then they quit. I've watched this happen many, many times. So the scripture here is telling us, look, you are to burn with zeal in your service, and you are to persevere and be consistent in that. I, I love people who have been in service in our church for years. That's a mature individual. That's a person who understands what it really means to serve. And that, and that doesn't mean that they haven't been offended or hurt or whatever. You know, you're working with people, it's, it's going to happen. But that's not what they make it about. See, they make it about serving Jesus and serving others. And so we're able to get past that and fulfill what God has called us to do. The Bible talks about rejoicing in hope, rejoicing in hope that, in other words, when we're working with people, we, we put our focus on what God is doing, not necessarily how they respond or how they react. Let me, let me just give you an, an example. I, I want to encourage you to be very, very careful about getting bogged down in serving in ministry because it's easy to get focused on the mistakes and the imperfections in people that you're serving, okay? And let's just talk about this for a minute probably one of the hardest things in ministry. Let's say that maybe you're, you are mentoring a new convert or maybe you're working with a young married couple and you've been, been trying to help them or, or, or somebody at your work that you've brought to church and, and you're trying to help them and, and minister to them and help them, them grow. And they act immature and they sin and they make wrong choices, and maybe even they fall away, and they stop coming to church for a period of time. That's hard. That's hard. And it's real easy to get your focus on them instead of your focus on hope, your focus on what God has called you to focus on. See, the problem with focusing on the shortcomings and the failures of people is we're not focusing on hope. Just because they messed up doesn't mean that they're a failure. Just because they sin doesn't mean that they are disqualified. No, that just means they made a mistake. You know, I've watched people up and down for years and can't get it right with Jesus. And then finally something one day clicks. And man, they're a fireball for the Lord and, and they do great and they've been doing great for years and years and years. Why does that happen? How does that happen? I don't know. I can't explain it, but I just know that if you give up on them, they probably will never get there. And so we're called to give ourselves. Jesus said, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So our attitude is, God, I'm giving myself to the whosoever wills. I can't do anything about the whosoever wants, but the whosoever wills, I'm going to give myself to, I'm going to put my, my focus on serving you and loving them and helping them to the best of my ability. And if they mess up, we're going to pray it through. We're going to repent. We're going to try to keep moving forward. And if they don't want that to happen, then okay, Holy Spirit, you got a job to do in convicting them and helping them. 
The Bible says be patient in tribulation. You got to be patient through the hard times with relationships in church, with yourself, with other people. You, you don't give up. You don't quit. Listen, life itself and church relationships are not easy sometimes. They can be hard. I mean, they can. Even some people that you're really close to, you can have difficulty with. Some people will change. Some people will transform. Some people will grow. And some may even get worse over time as you know them. They may go backwards. They're, they're not in their word. They're not praying. They're not growing. They seem to be becoming more selfish, more narcissistic, more self-absorbed. Okay, that happens. Here's the thing. You know, working with people is, is very different than like landscaping, so to speak. You know, when, when you're landscaping, you, you can see what's happening. You see a transformation taking place very quickly. I mean, you can work a day or two in a yard landscaping and then you can step back from your work and go, wow, that looks really, really good. But you know, with people, it's not that fast. With people, it may take weeks and months and years before you're able to see the fruit of your efforts in, them, in their lives. And that's why it says we have to be patient in tribulation. The Bible says teach and correct in patience. So working with people is very different. And then he goes on, he says, keep on praying. I like that. Prayer without ceasing. When do we stop praying for someone? You don't. Aren't you glad somebody didn't stop praying for you? I'm so glad when I was so rebellious in my, in my teenage years and even in, the, in my early 20s, my mom did not give up praying for me. There was people that were praying for me. And I mean, I was not a good person at all. Listen, if you guys knew all the stuff that I'd done in my past, you probably wouldn't be sitting here tonight listening to what I have to talk about. But if I knew what you did in your past, I probably wouldn't be preaching to you. So we'll just call it even, right? We'll just leave it there. Yeah, I mean, this is what we're called to do. Our job is to pray. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict and change. It's not our job to convict and change. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is to pray, amen, and give ourselves to what God has called us to do. To love is to be vulnerable. It's to be vulnerable. It's risky. Love means wearing your heart right up here on your sleeve, and people can knock it off, and people can hurt it. But you're not going to see a servant in the Bible that doesn't have scars. Paul had scars. Jesus had scars. And if you're going to be a follower of Christ, you're going to have to bear up underneath some whippings yourself, some persecution yourself. See, not many will risk it, but the rewards are worth it. They're worth it. And again, it's not an option for us, church. It's a command. God didn't say, this is an option for you. What we're reading in the Bible, this is command. This is saying, we are to love people, period. We are to serve in church, period. It's not optional. It's not when you feel like it. We've got to counter our inner instinct. Our inner instinct it works against us. It's that carnal nature. We've got to counter that. Romans 12 verse 14 says, bless those who persecute you, 
Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud. Enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think that you know it all. See, we've got to encounter that, that inner instinct that works against all of that. All of that. That's called walking by the Spirit. I want to end tonight down here with verse 20 and 21 talks about our enemies. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing so, you'll heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Love is always victorious. Love always absorbs the push. Love doesn't push back. Love absorbs the push. How do we do that? Well, it's only when we're in a deep, healthy relationship with Jesus can we do that. When Jesus is big inside of us, we can absorb the push. When we're depleted of Jesus, (laughs) watch out, right? Love is other-centered. It's not self-centered. It's others-centered. So the point is, when you try to overcome evil with evil, guess what? You become an evildoer. You're not a good doer, you're an evil doer when you overcome evil with evil. Evil is now over you. How do you conquer evil? With good. You conquer evil with good. I want to end with these four principles real real quick. Counteract your inner instinct. Put yourself in the enemy's place. Be open-minded. Absorb the push. In other words, walk in love and leave revenge to God. The Bible talks about it. Don't take revenge. When you take it into your own hands, you're probably going to get your results. But when you give it into God's hands, you're going to get God's results. And I can't think of the best thing in the world than to leave it in God's capable hands so that we get God's good results. Amen? Did y'all get something out of this? Amen. Stand with me tonight. Y'all still love me, right? All right. That's good. That's good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. Lord, help us. Help us to be the people that you've called us to be. Father, help us to reflect on these words as we read the scripture. Lord, help us not just to skim over it, but to really read it. To challenge ourselves, God, to be the people that you've called us to be. To challenge ourselves to be better. Lord, as we go through 2020 with all that's happening... And there's been a lot of bad that's happened this year. But Father, help us be people that are determined that we're going to bring good out of a bad situation. That we're going to go through 2020 and we're going to be people who are transformed by this to look more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.